You're listening to Top Lane to Duopoly, a podcast by independent-minded voters for independent-minded voters, where we take a deep dive into the systemic problems that have left so many voters feeling disenchanted or disenfranchised completely in the U.S. political process. We also explore what the duopoly means and the impact it has on competition and accountability in elections. We further examine the nonpartisan solutions to foster elections that are fairer, more competitive, and more accountable to voters. Elections, after all, should serve voters, not parties. On this episode of Toppling the Duopoly, we're exploring America's growing desire to have an alternative option to the Republican and Democratic parties. Gallup recently found that 62% of Americans, Americans surveyed, said that the Republican and Democratic parties are doing such a poor job that a third party is needed. And Gallup isn't the only polling agency that has found widespread desire for an alternative option to the major parties, nor to the scale that it found it out in its most recent poll. Joining me to discuss this is former U.S. Representative David Jolly, who served, the, who served Florida's 13th Congressional District from 2014 to 2017, and is now the executive chair of the Serve America movement, the SAM party, which is offering an alternative to the Republican and Democratic parties in a very unique way to the way that we think of political parties. Uh, we'll, we'll explore that a little bit later. But first, David, thanks for joining me. Hey, great to be with you, Sean. Thank you very much. And before we get into talking about the topic and talking more about Sam, I want to give a listeners an opportunity to get to know you a bit more. Uh, as I said in the intro, you are a former member of Congress. You served for, uh, Florida's 13th Congressional District from 2014 to 2017. You were then a member of the Republican Party. You left the Republican Party and now are the executive chair of, of the Sam Party. Um, describe a little bit of your journey f- into getting involved with the Serve America movement. Sure, I appreciate that, Sean. I look, I registered as a Republican when I registered to vote at 18, and it was a relatively informed decision, as you can make those in your late teens, I suppose. I I had uh, conservative principles ideologically, I suppose culturally, coming from a preacher's family in the in the rural South. And so the Republican Party was a place where I identified my politics really for the better part of almost 30 years. I ultimately had an opportunity to serve as a Republican congressman, and that followed having worked on Capitol Hill for roughly 20 years uh, for a Republican. And so this was not a a short journey away from the Republican Party, I suppose. Look, I, for many years, found a very comfortable home in the Republican Party. Although I guess I I was always in kind of that Bush 41, what would now be considered a more moderate or I guess right right of center Republican. When the Tea Party emerged in 2010, I was one of the people that pushed back within the party to the extent I could. And then with the emergence of what we could call Trump populism that began to dominate in 15 and in 2015 and the years following, I was a vocal opponent of that. So I was, you know, I joke I was never a good enough Republican, I guess, for the for the 30 years I was part of the party. But the real breaking point started probably 10 years ago and continued with the emergence of our past president. And so I did choose to leave the party. You know, when I was in office, 
I was one of those Republicans who I, my wife and I said, don't, don't let a day go to waste when you have this opportunity to serve. Too many members are willing to serve and not doing anything. So I tried to lead the conversation for Republicans around, around policy solutions on marriage equality and climate and gun violence and campaign finance, but they didn't want to hear any of it. I mean, I, I really was in the minority of, of Republicans. And then when Trump emerged, I spoke out vocally on the House floor, on TV programs, on news programs. And so the break was really obvious. I was part of the group, I guess, that also thought I could save the Republican Party and eventually could win and bring people over to my way of thinking. But by 18, I realized uh, that was a fight that, one, I wasn't going to win. I'm not sure anybody else would win. And it was a fight that was no longer my responsibility. So I left the Republican Party, did not join the Democratic Party for reasons that, that I just am enjoying being untethered from partisanship altogether. Forget about ideology, but just partisanship. I, I love the freedom of being untethered from it. But I did find a home in the Serve America movement. And I'll tell you, it surprised me a little bit because given all of my time in politics, I, I had I, you know, socialized with kind of minor parties, new parties, the independent political movement. I had empathized with it, but I never saw a reason for me to associate it. And largely because minor parties up until now have always tried to define themselves on the left-right spectrum around a certain ideology. And they, and they, they find a dot on that left-right spectrum and say, this is where our party's going to be and everybody should come there. What the Serve America movement has done is turned that on its head and said, what if we don't try to affiliate people around shared ideology, but instead we do it around shared values of a, a government that solves problems, of candidates and leaders that commit to transparency and accountability around democracy protection through electoral reform initiatives, a values-driven platform, not an ideological one. And if we do that, then wherever you come down ideologically, left, right, or middle, and if you're inconsistent within your own ideology, right? If you're on the right on taxes, but the left on guns and, and the middle on cultural issues, you're welcome. We want those competing viewpoints. When I discovered that as Sam's platform and the Serve America Movement's mission, I saw something I hadn't seen in my 30 years in politics, and I knew I wanted to be a part of it. And that's why I'm pleased today to serve as its chair. Now, now I feel like you got uh, a little bit into my next question, which I love, and that is <laughs> sorry about that. no, no, you're that is that that's great. Um, so, uh, you know, I had already mentioned early on that that you would we have this Gallup poll that found that 62 percent of Americans think that the Republicans and Democratic parties are doing such a bad job that a third party is needed. Even more, when we look at other public opinion polls, even more Americans recognize that a lot of public officials today, they put their own interests, they put the interests of their parties or the interests of special interests above the interest of, of voters, which I would, I would argue, and especially from my point of view as, as an independent voter, would say that is a large drive behind why so many voters want to see uh, a third party, a viable third option emerge uh, just as as a way to as just to find an alternative to the Republican and Democratic parties. But it's not like there there has been a shortage of third parties 
in the United States. They've long existed. There are a lot of third parties. If you really look at it, a lot of a lot of third parties are very region specific. Um, there are some right. uh, third parties that do have national um, that do have a national structure, like the Libertarian Party and the Green Party. Both have a national structure, uh, but they have yet to really. Uh, emerge as viable options at the federal level of uh, third party representation in state legislatures is very marginal. It's non-existent in Congress. So I, I guess my question to you, and I, I feel like you did get into this a bit uh, in terms of describing what, what Sam offered to you and why you liked it so much is uh, what do you believe voters are really looking for yeah. um, when they say they want a third party and how can Sam fill that need? Yeah, a great question, Sean. And I would say in that Gallup poll, what from my experience, 60 plus percent want a new party or believe we should have one, but it's not a monolithic group, right? It could be for different reasons. Some would say the Democrats aren't progressive enough. Others would say that Republicans aren't Trump enough. Some would say Republicans are too Trump and we need a center-right alliance. Some would say we need a moderate party. You know, that 60%, even even if they all agreed would be hard to to build a coalition with given today's electoral uh, laws and, and ballot access and party formation laws. But but truly, it's a very diverse group within that 60 percent. So, look, what what Sam has done to to try to address the interest in a new party movement substantively, I'll speak to and then what we're trying to do procedurally. Substantively, it's this. As I mentioned, the two major parties operate on an ideological axis, right? We see it, but we see the contrast between the two, but even within the parties, when the Democrats, after almost losing the House this past election, had their their caucus meeting, there, there were reports of this fight between the progressive wing of AOC and others and the moderates of Spanberger. And, and my point on that is, always that, look, their ideology shouldn't be the problem, right? Spanberger was elevated by a constituency that wanted a moderate ideology and AOC by a constituency that wanted a progressive ideology. That ideology is not the root of the problem. The root of their problem is there's a party structure that can't accommodate diverse ideologies. It won't allow for it. When I get pushed to why don't you just join the Democrats? You seem to be moderate to progressive on some issues. I say that's true. Some issues I probably am progressive, some I'm moderate. But if I were to join the Democratic Party, then I have to park all of my conservative convictions, right? What about my 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 truly responsible, less taxes, conservative conviction? I'm not allowed to have that in the Democratic Party because their tent might be big, but it's not too wide, right? The Democratic tent is from the center out to the left. It's not all the way from the right to the left. And when you look at minor parties, while I I believe those are some of the truest believers in politics, and I share that spirit and and I love them for it, I think they've replicated one of the failure points of the two major parties, which is finding a dot on the left-right spectrum, right? The libertarians have found their spot on the spectrum. The green have found their party on the spectrum. Some of the new regional parties that say we're going to be a moderate party. It's all about picking a dot on the spectrum and then expecting all the voters to come there. And if the voters aren't there, then you're not welcome. So what Sam has done is said, look, if the problem, right, go back to my House Democratic Caucus example. If the problem is not ideology, but it's the construct of the party that can't accommodate it, 
why don't we build a party that can and recognize that one of the greatest blessings we have in this country, in the, in the view of our founders that, that form this nation around very basic principles of liberty, one of the greatest blessings we have is the right to our own personal ideological convictions. Let's celebrate that. Let's create a party that celebrates the diversity of ideology and, and then build it around a platform of shared values and shared principles. And so at SAM, you know, we articulate our shared principles as problem solving, right? The idea of let's just fix healthcare and, and taxes and immigration and, and climate, regardless of where the solution falls on the left-right spectrum, let's just solve the problem. We also coalesce around the value of democracy protection, which is a hot topic these days, electoral reform, um, and then transparency and accountability. And that second bucket, democracy protection through electoral reform, is where we get involved procedurally. Right? The major parties have put all these hurdles in place to the new party political movement, ballot access laws, party registration laws. They've made it as hard as possible for new parties to emerge because the one shared interest that the two major parties have is in protecting their duopoly. So procedurally at SAM, you know, I often say the electoral reform movement is our close brethren. We fundamentally support and work on and work with uh, electoral reform organizations to try to level the playing field around ballot access and party registration so that new parties like SAM and others can emerge and be viable. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely want to talk about uh, the focus on electoral reform in a bit. One thing that you you touched on that I I like when 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 I read more about Sam when I watch the videos that you've put out on your website, uh, listening to you talk is is that idea that it's a platform that's based on bringing ideologies together and focuses more on the problem-solving aspect of things, having a more nuanced conversation about topics and issues and coming to long-term solutions. Solutions are important. And I've noticed that there are other, there are some parties that have emerged uh, elsewhere that have kind of followed followed the SAM model too, uh, such as the Common Sense Party in California, where it, it takes a similar approach where uh, it, it welcomes a diversity of ideology as long as the as long as the members and those that would represent uh, the the brand would uh, be open to a more nuanced and willing conversation to put uh, the put voters first to put their constituents first in terms of finding solutions to problems. It'd be great if you could describe for listeners um, the process by which Sam goes through in terms of picking potential candidates and the process sure. that potential candidates go through with Sam in order to run as a Sam candidate. Yeah. The fundamental difference between Sam and traditional political parties is that we are a bottom up organization, not a top down, right? So if you think of today's Republicans and Democrats, they have a national platform Although, although I guess Republicans did away with theirs during the last convention, but they have a, a working national platform that basically they expect all of their candidates to subscribe and adhere to and support. At SAM, we reverse that model. We think that the politics and ideology of regions across the country are different from the Sun Belt to the Industrial Belt, West Coast to East Coast. Politics are different, and they should be. And so at SAM, we rely on our local candidates to emerge reflecting the ideology of their community, not an ideology of a national platform that was written by somebody that doesn't live in their, 
in their community. And so how that translates functionally then, I'll give you an example in Connecticut this past cycle where the SAM State Committee in Connecticut sent out uh, surveys to all of the candidates for the state legislature. And it asked some very basic questions about, you know, willingness to work across the aisle and with independence on solving Connecticut's pressing problems related to XYZ. It asked about a commitment to electoral reforms so we can have greater competition in Connecticut specifically around ranked choice voting. Uh, it, it asked questions about a willingness to be transparent in your scheduling and your campaign finances and all these other areas of public political life. And that, that questionnaire, that survey was designed by the Connecticut committee, SAM committee, to reflect their priorities. And then they went through an interview process, and there were conversations around ideology, but it didn't matter what the answers were around ideology, right? The whole premise of SAM is you could have somebody who is considered a traditional gun rights advocate. You could have somebody who's considered a traditional gun violence prevention advocate. That's fine. We want them both, provided that they answer correctly and reflect appropriately on the values that Sam is looking for. And so they, they had endorsement interviews, they issued endorsements. As a result, we have endorsed Sam candidates now serving in Connecticut, and there's a Sam caucus in the Connecticut legislature. And getting on the topic of electoral reform, since you, you brought it, you brought it up, I'm, I'm of the, the mind that um, right now, because of the, uh, the, the barriers that have been placed at every level of our electoral process, um, both on voters and candidates outside of uh, the major parties, it is nigh impossible really for that viable third option to emerge. And so I'm, I'm always of the mindset that, you know, really before we can see this competition, what, what will drive this competition is political reform, the type of, and, and interestingly enough, I, I, I like that, that Sam supports uh, nonpartisan primaries, uh, uh, top four, top five, and with ranked choice voting. Um, do you believe that, that under the current electoral system that people can get behind, that there, there, there could potentially be enough support to get behind a third party uh, to make it viable, both in terms of representation in Congress and state legislatures and in presidential elections? Or do you believe that we, we, we do need to focus on these electoral reforms first? And what changes do you think need to be made uh, in order to see uh, more competition not just for voters, but for candidates who want to who want to participate in the political process, but who exist outside of the two-party apparatus, but find it impossible right now. Yeah, so I think we have to work on both at the same time. I I agree with you that a world in which we've achieved electoral reform makes new political parties and independent politics much more viable, right? Because for for listeners of your podcast, if you consider uh, California, where they have a top two primary system, regardless of party, it is easier to see an independent candidate emerge in that environment if you have the right one. Um, there's an example, a guy by the name of Chad Mays in California, a Republican legislator in, in California, resigned the Republican Party, ran as an independent. And as he tells the story, had California not had a top two primary, 
he would have ended up in a general election against a Republican nominee and Democratic nominee and never would have made it, never would have been reelected. But in part because he was an incumbent, uh, he made it out of a top two primary as an independent and ultimately won the general election through a coalition of independents, Democrats, and Republican-leaning voters. So that's a perfect example of where a state that's adopted electoral reform makes the path for an independent candidate or a new party much more viable. So we have to do that. And that's where Sam puts a lot of energy into it and works close with organizations working on open primaries, gerrymandering reform, ranked choice voting, public financing of campaigns, et cetera. But at the same time, you know, we need to create momentum around the movement. And that includes some high profile races and high profile wins. In 92, Ross Perot Whatever you think of Ross Perot, the candidate or the person, the truth is independent voters believed that they could see an independent candidate emerge. Ross Perot was leading that presidential race until early summer. In 2020, when we saw uh, Howard Schultz try it, he didn't even get out of the gate. And what, what was different about the dynamic? We could all have different opinions, but... I say that because we need to continue to push high-profile candidates or involve ourselves in high-profile races, but we also need the moment to meet us halfway. You know, in 92, the moment met Perot halfway. In 20, the moment didn't meet Schultz anywhere close. Um, So as we work on electoral reform, as we work on the block and tackling of the basics of party building and organizing independent political organizations and new parties, I do believe we also have to be recruiting and running candidates that will run as an independent or affiliated with a party like Sam so that voters who at the point of voter registration, we know we self-select about a third, a third, a third through voter registration. So those no party affiliated voters can see and believe that independent politics can be viable on the ballot. And those are some Excellent points, David. Uh, Looking ahead, I know that Sam is active in Connecticut. I know it's active in New York. Are there any elections that Sam is looking to put candidates on the ballot that are coming up in the immediate future? Uh, Do you already have prospective candidates that uh, that you that you already have uh, possibly registered for for an election? And could we possibly be seeing the expansion of Sam into other states uh, in the near future? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, <laughs> this cycle, Sam is looking very seriously at the New York City mayoral race, which is an off-year election. It occurs this year in 2021. We in Connecticut and and New York and California and Texas and Florida and Pennsylvania, possibly Iowa, possibly Arkansas, possibly Virginia. We are looking at 2022 races, um, both local and state and federal. So the answer is yes. We also are mobilizing new SAM state committees and building infrastructure to support potential SAM candidates. And in some states, we are following a strategy towards party formation and ballot access for the SAM party. That's all the hard work that goes into building a new party. And look, Sean, you, you understand this. We are not naive. We understand what we're up against. This is an enormous challenge. Uh, But I think for anybody who operates in this space with conviction, the, the haunting feeling is if we stop working towards this goal, it'll never get done. And the two major parties and the duopoly 
become the permanent fixture of American politics. And I'm not willing to accept that outcome. We got a lot of hard work in front of us. We, we have smart people working on it. I believe we will succeed, but I'm aware we might not. But I still believe it's a fight worth having and one that I think we ultimately will be successful in. And if people want more information on Sam or updates on these races that you're looking at or other activities that the party is up to, uh, where can they find this online? Yeah, that's so we actually have two websites, right? Normally you get one. We got two. <laughs> Joinsam.org <laughs> is kind of our national website where you find some traditional material on the party. Joinsam.org. But we also have a very content-driven site where we're always posting new articles around uh, electoral reform, around new party politics. You can find our weekly podcast, American Resolution. We'll put this, a link to this podcast up on it. That's it, samstudio.org. So samstudio.org. And you can also, on either one of those sites, follow to the contact link. If you send us a note, Alex Hackworth is our national outreach director. You'll hear directly from Alex, not just a, a template email. Hey, thanks for getting back to us. You'll probably get a call or an email from Alex saying, how can we get you involved? How can Sam support your interest in independent politics? So join Sam.org, samstudio.org, and use the contact link. And thank you, David. And Obviously, this is a topic that's going to become increasingly important for Americans, the growing desire uh, to see alternative options emerge that could uh, that could tackle the two-party duopoly. Um, I know I'll continue to follow the progress of SAM as it, it seeks out to expand and to, to put candidates forth on various different elections. David, thank you for joining me on Toppling the Duopoly. Hey, great to be with you. Thank you very much. If you like this episode or found it informative and are interested in hearing more content like it, be sure to leave a review where possible and like or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay independent.